How can we connect with the heart of our preteen and teenage boys? In today's episode, I continue my conversation with David Thomas, author of Wild Things. He is going to help us understand how moms can connect with their boys and what mistakes we need to avoid with our preteen and teenage sons. Welcome to episode 38 of Redeeming the Chaos with Laurie Christine. Hey mama, does your life feel a bit chaotic right now? Do you feel overwhelmed by the responsibility to raise those little boys God has given you? Do you want to raise strong, courageous young men who are fully committed to following Jesus? In all the chaos of raising boys, we recognize that Christ is the only one who can redeem the chaos in our world, our homes, and our own hearts. I know that I can't do this alone. I desperately need God to give me strength every step of this journey. But guess what? I also need you. I would love for you to join me on this wild, wonderful, chaotic adventure of raising courageous boys and connecting their hearts to Christ. We have been talking about the book Wild Things by Stephen James and David Thomas. God has hardwired our boys to be wild. As moms, this is sometimes a hard concept to understand, but it's so important for us to realize how God has created our boys so that we can raise them to be strong, courageous young men. In our last episode of Redeeming the Chaos, I had the privilege of interviewing David Thomas, one of the authors of the book Wild Things. In our episode today, I am going to wrap up my conversation with David Thomas. David Thomas is a licensed master social worker and the director of family counseling at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. He is the co-author of eight books, including the best-selling Wild Things, The Art of Nurturing Boys, and Are My Kids on Track? The 12 Emotional, Social, and Spiritual Milestones Your Child Needs to Reach. He is a frequent guest on national television and podcasts, including his own podcast called Raising Boys and Girls. This is the second part of a two-part episode where I interview David Thomas. In our last episode, we talked about the first two stages of a boy's development into manhood, the explorer stage and the lover stage. If you missed that episode, go back and listen to episode 37, What Do Boys Need from Their Mom? Also, in episodes 35 and 36, we discussed in detail the five stages of a boy's development, as outlined in the book Wild Things. And I will have links for those episodes for you in the show notes as well. In my conversation with David today, we discussed stages three, four, and five in a boy's development. And those stages are the individual, the wanderer, and the warrior. We zero in on what boys need from their moms at each stage, as well as some of the mistakes moms often make in connecting with their boys. Here is the second part of my interview with David Thomas. So the next stage of development for our boys is the individual stage, and these are boys ages 9 through 12. I have two individuals right now as well. Um, I have two lovers, ages five and seven, and then I have a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old. So who he is, he is searching, evolving, experimenting, and criticizing. And he needs from his parents supervision, information, involvement, and outlets. So David, tell us a little bit about boys in this individual stage. 
This is that pre-adolescent window, and so we're heading into some more complicated space, as you well know, parenting some boys here. And, you know, I would say a primary thing that's happening that he needs us to understand is that he's searching. He's searching primarily for two things. He's searching for identity. This is a key identity formation stage of a boy's development. And he's also searching for masculinity. By 9 to 10, a boy's brain begins to look deeply into what it means to be a man. And so it's why I have dads tell me stories all the time of, you know, I watch, I noticed my son was just standing there watching me shave, you know, or he was, you know, honed in on me as I was tying my tie. There just is a curiosity he hasn't had in the same way running up to stage three that is heightened at this point. And so we want to lean in and pay attention to that. It's why I talk a lot about he needs information. He needs a lot of information about the changes he's experiencing. This is uh, what I call the age of awareness, where a boy's antenna is as high as it's ever been to the social hierarchy. So if I sat with any boy in stage three and ask him a question like, who is the most athletic guy in your grade or who's the funniest guy in your grade? Like he could tell me like that. He doesn't have to sit and think about that for a long period of time. So he's acutely aware. And that's part of that whole identity space of where he's figuring out who am I and where do I fit or where do I not fit? And often it's themselves saying like, did you know that I'm the fastest runner in my grade? (laughs) Did you know that I'm the tallest in my whole class, in the whole school? Like (laughs) my kids come home saying that. A lot of those kind of declarations. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So tell us about um, moms and boys in this stage of the individual. What do boys need from their moms? They need a lot of supervision, a lot of supervision. In fact, I, <laughs> I challenge moms to function like the Department of Homeland Security in this space. Nice. And, you know, part of that, let's let's take a left turn real quick into some scary territory. But, you know, the the old data used to tell us that most boys had their first exposure to Internet pornography somewhere between 11 and 14. The newest data mm-hmm. is telling us 9 to 12. And so mm-hmm. it's happening earlier and earlier. So he needs a lot of oversight and supervision, not just with technology, but even with same age peers. You know, this is that point where if he's having an overnight with a couple of buddies or a birthday party and things get real quiet on the second story of the house, you need to go check in. Like, you know, it's yeah. that it's stage three and stage four of that space where we, you know, we laugh as a culture about, you know, when too many boys come together, their collective IQ lowers significantly and they can, <laughs> without even intending to, just find their ways to some kind of experimentation that they thought would have been funny or fascinating that could be dangerous and destructive. Yeah. And so yeah. a lot of oversight and supervision. And I would even say, I love this. I learned this from a mom years ago when she was entertaining boys at her house. She called it small bowls of queso. She was like, hmm. when I serve snacks, small bowls of queso. So I have to need to come back in and refill off and small glasses that I have to need to come back in and refill off. And I'm like, that's brilliant. That's so yeah. brilliant. So it's not like yeah. you're spying. It's not like you're all in their business, all in their space, but there's a purpose in needing to come back in and refill and think on what that looks like uh, in this space. Um, because again, he could find his way to some pretty dangerous places. Now, I also talk a lot about how boys need a lot of education about their changing bodies and their changing relationships around them. And I want moms to hear me say, you can be a part of a vast amount of that. You really can. I'm often asked that by moms, like, how much can I be talking with my sons? How much can my husband be talking with our daughters? You can be a part of a lot of that. There will be a changing of the guards that will happen at some point. And 
think about it no different than, you know, with our daughters. There's there's not a living, breathing adolescent girl who wants to talk with her dad about her cycle <laughs> beginning. She wants to talk with her mom. There's not a living, breathing exactly. boy who wants to talk with his mom about a difficult topic like masturbation. He wants to talk yeah. with his dad. And, and for any yeah. single moms listening who don't have access to that. There's not a trusted male voice in the equation for some reason. There's been a loss of some kind, whether that's through death or through divorce, and and there's not a safety in that voice. Then you want to find other trustworthy adult men, an uncle, a grandfather, the father of a friend, who could step into some of that space. And again, the exact same way that a dad would be seeking that out for his daughter if, if mom were lost in some way. And so we just want to have those same gendered voices in our kids' lives who can keep running the ball down the field when it gets to that more complicated conversation that would be best served in that same space. And I think that's encouraging for moms too, to know that it is okay to at least start those discussions and that moms can be part of this. Well, and I think the understanding piece carrying into stage three looks like reading a lot about you know, his growing and changing body. I talk a lot. There's a yeah. great book out that Dr. Karen Natterson wrote called Guy Stuff. Uh, the subtitle, I think, is The Body Book for Boys. And, you know, I encourage all moms to read that book because it's great when boys hear their moms say things like, you know what, clearly I did not grow up in the skin of a boy and I want to understand as much as I can about all the changes you face. So is that a book that that moms could hand to their boy to read or is that more like for moms to get information Yes, and should hand. It's it's a fantastic okay. book I would love for boys to read. In fact, I'd also recommend another book in this stage uh, for a boy to read that's called Flight Plan. Flight, F-L-I-G-H-T, Flight Plan, um, that was birthed out of an amazing all-boys school here in Tennessee, in Memphis, Tennessee, Presbyterian Day School. And it's a resource they use within their curriculum at the school, but it's available to a parent anywhere. But it's great content, not just some of this uh, content around how a boy's body is changing, but how his relationships are changing and how to face all things, how to everything from how to deal with overcompetitive alpha males to what to do when once upon a time you thought girls were kind of gross and now you think they're really interesting. So it's just mm. a lot of great conversation that, parents and boys can have together out of some good reading. So a book for boys to read, but I recommend parents reading alongside them and talks. Okay. Yeah, that's really good. And I will put links to those those books in the show notes so that you guys can look those up. So next, let's talk about some mistakes that moms should avoid during the individual stage. What would you recommend? I would say as we think about that passing of the baton, not holding on for too long, you know, not not gripping and requiring him to have more conversation than he feels safe in doing. You know, let yeah. let him lead in as much conversation and use the books I mentioned as a way to dialogue. But when he's ready to stop, I can't tell you how many moms of stage three boys I've had who are trying to have a longer, more thoughtful conversation who their sons will say, can we be done talking now? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and really honoring that you could stay in the conversation a lot longer. He can't so much. So yeah, hold on to that of knowing when to hit pause and knowing when to pass the baton. I think that's key. Yeah. It's hard to know. I I feel like it's hard to know when to keep asking questions about a situation that you feel like is important versus stepping back and being like, okay, he doesn't want to talk about that. Like, like a situation at school where there's, I don't know, like a bullying situation and you're like, well, I need to know who said what and 
which boys were being mean and was their teacher involved? And what did you say to the teacher? And, and, and I find my son, my, my sons are just like, mom, it doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. I'm like, well, but this is a big deal. Like, so I don't know, like, what would you say to moms who are trying to walk that line of like, I don't want to pry too much, but I do want to make sure that there's nothing unsafe going on here. I want to make sure that my, that there's nothing that's, that needs to be investigated further, like those kinds of things. I would say back to the side by side, I would talk around a task. That's my rule of thumb. I would talk around a task. I I had a mom years ago say to me, it's almost like I need to trick him into talking, don't I? And I said, absolutely. You are nailing it. And again, (laughs) because we are acknowledging that eye to eye can feel more threatening. So I would wait for that conversation to develop when we're walking the dog. Yeah. I would wait for that conversation to get to you know come about when we're cooking together in the kitchen or when we are um, hitting the tennis ball back and forth. Or you know, I'll challenge moms if you know part of his ritual is coming home and jumping on the trampoline, go get on the trampoline with him. If his ritual is shooting some hoops, go retrieve the ball and pass it back to him, and watch for what can happen differently when he's not aware that he's supposed to be talking, as opposed to I need you to sit down and we need to talk about this. So. Yeah. That's a great way alongside that recommendation. I even threw out a little bit earlier of take advantage of nighttime. His emotional defenses are down. And that's sometimes when a lot more comes out because again, he's not aware he's supposed to be talking. So more can mm-hmm. seep out in that space. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Okay. So let's jump ahead to the wanderer. Um, the wanderer is ages 13 to 17. And I think this is the age that a lot of moms maybe dread or are the the, the most um, apprehensive because it's the teenage years and yeah. um, just so much going on in a boy's life. So the wanderer is dealing with psychological chaos, lots of, I'm sure, hormonal chaos as well. You say in your book that they are often arrogant. They are argumentative. All, are there, is there anything positive? <laughs> it just sounds like nothing but bad news, does it? <laughs> I know. Here's some good news in the midst okay. of the bad news to hold on to. You know, go back to the wisdom of this too shall pass. And yeah. what I think is also important to note is every one of us as human beings, no one is exempt. Every single one of us pass through this stage that every yeah. developmental theorist would argue for boys and for girls is the worst episode, the worst episode of development. There's not even a close second. And so... Hmm. It is what it is. We have to acknowledge that. You're exactly right. I think all of us fear it, not just for our kids, but for ourselves as parents. You think this is going to be the most mm-hmm. complicated stretch. Mm-hmm. I jokingly, I just launched my twins uh, who are freshmen in college now. And, you know, we're my wife and I are weeping, you know, on the other side of that as we do when we release these kids. And I'm like, why couldn't they go to college between 13 and 16? I would have sent them a hundred times over in that space. <laughs> because it's so complicated, but I don't want them to go now because they're so doggone enjoyable, but it is what it is. And every one of us passed through it. That's the good news. We all made it to the other side and our kids will too. I would say in terms of what boys need the most from their moms in this space um, is a lot of mercy, Hmm. a lot of mercy to acknowledge he is in the most complicated stretch of development and incapable in my mind, of being his best self every moment. It's just impossible. So that's not at all me saying we're going to give him a permission slip to be his worst self, but we're certainly not going to make any long-term determinations. I was talking with a mom of a 14-year-old boy not long ago, and she was like, David, he is never going to be, and I put up the universal Mm -hmm. pause sign, like timeout. I was like, timeout. 
I'm going to purposefully interrupt you right here and not let you say whatever you're about to say, because whatever you're about to say, we don't know that. We don't know that he's always going to be fill in the blank, you know, because right now to the words you just shared, he's argumentative, he's arrogant, he's insecure, he's in the middle of a biological tsunami. You know, I, I jokingly say to parents when I teach, I don't want to go down in history as who I was at 14. Like no one who knew me as an eighth grader would have thought, gosh, I think that guy will grow up to be a therapist someday, like <laughs> a really compassionate, deep man, like because I was incapable of being my best self in that moment. So he needs us to acknowledge he is passing through the worst stage of development and we'll get to the other side. We're going to keep all the things in place we've been talking about, love, nurture, structure, boundaries, oversight, supervision, all those things. But we're going to acknowledge he's in the hardest moment of development right now, but he will get to the other side of that. And obviously we're hitting the highlights. There's, you know, a lot of specifics that I know you spoke to in the previous episode talking about what's going on. Um, but I would say to your great question about how to connect in each stage in this stage, I would do a lot of eating out. If I were a mom listening, this is the time I always say, save your money when you have an explorer. Dinner out with an explorer is rarely a successful experiment. He can't sit still long. You're going to feel frustrated at a restaurant. But in this stage is the time to spend more money eating out because, you know, there's some truth to that age old saying the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. And boys love to eat out. Go back to my wisdom about queso. Feed him a lot of queso. In this stage, I think it's a great way to get access. And it's kind of this, you know, great leveling field of food. We all love to sit around a table. And so he loves to eat. We want to connect. Let's use the table as an opportunity and take him to his favorite place. Even if it's maybe not your favorite place, I think it's a great place to experience a better version of, of who he is in this space. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I try to take my boys out on dates um, throughout the year. And we do at least once a year before the beginning of school. I take them each on, an, on a back to school date just each of them by themselves. And then I try to on their birthdays as well, around their birthday. And yeah, the Explorer, (laughs) when when I take the four-year-old or even the five-year-old, they're like, it's like, "Eh, they're like, okay, can we go now? Can we go home now? And I'm like, but we're having a date. We're sitting here enjoying time together. Yes. Um, And one of my kids asked me, they're like, can we go to, I don't know if you guys have five below down in Tennessee, but there's a five below. It's like a dollar store, but everything's like $5. They're like, can we go there instead of, like getting slushies. And I was like, mm. they're like, it's the same amount of money. I was like, no, because it's not the same experience. Like we don't get to just sit and like interact and yeah. talk. So yeah. So I think mom's listening. We've talked about this before about the importance of, of taking your boys out. And so especially during this time, that's a great way to, or a great time to take advantage of, of that time together. It is. And I would only add to that list, you know, Watch the movies he loves. I don't know a lot of Mm. adult women who would say the Marvel movies are their all-time favorites, but I would watch those because a lot of boys love them. You know, do a Star Wars marathon with him. Go to concerts to hear bands that he loves. Those are great ways to experience connection and to enter into his world. It's a way of communicating, you know what, because I love you, I want to know the things you love. And again, it's not saying I would even argue moms are going to hate hearing me say this right now, but stay with me. Let him teach you a video game. I don't know many moms <laughs> that love the Xbox, but it's like, you know what? That's a way to enter into his world. And I jokingly say it's it's exactly how I feel about gardening. I have a wife who loves gardening. It's one of her great passions. She's so gifted in that space. 
I hate gardening. It's it's just a fancy word for yard work is all it is. And so yeah. I don't enjoy it. It just feels like more yard work that I've got to do. But I love her. So I want to be a part of experiences that she loves, even if it's not my first love as a way of knowing her. So frame it in that way if you can. Yeah, I love that. Tell you what, though, I can't wait till my boys are old enough to have the Star Wars marathon. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> We're going to sit down and watch all 9, 10, 12, 15, however many movies That's there are now. That's great. So yeah, that'll that'll be fun someday. Okay, so we're gonna gonna jump ahead to the warrior, um, and this is ages eighteen to twenty two. We've made it through those rough teenage years, and now the warrior is reflective, searching, romantic, and he needs our guidance and support. So tell us, how do we do that? How do we give our boys guidance and support as moms during this stage? Well, let me first say I love the warrior, and we need him to come on board after parenting the wanderer. And I would even say, all joking aside, when you are parenting a wanderer, I would love for you to go back and read about the warrior. I think we need to forecast what's coming and where he's headed and cast a vision both for him and our relationship with him in those harder moments. So I I would say, read ahead. That's a moment to read ahead, I, I think, as a way of encouraging your heart and to know that he is developing more abstract thinking. He's coming out of being a concrete thinker where the world's so black and white and he can see more of the grays, which allows him to even see our relationship different. I can't tell you how often I'll see evidence of this. This is usually kind of the junior and senior years of high school when boys just instinctively start asking their moms more questions like, hey, how was your day? Or how was the girl's trip? You were gone with your friends this week. And you think, oh my goodness, you wouldn't have even <laughs> noticed when you were 13. And now you I can imagine. Yes, can now imagine you're both noticing voice. and interested. And he starts to see the relationship differently. He starts to see you as a person. You're not just a chauffeur and a short order cook and you know, a person who has done a lot of laundry, but you're a real human being. And it's part of where I joked earlier, it becomes so hard to launch them in that space because they become so often so much more enjoyable, so much more aware. And so I want you to enjoy and savor that. And again, I want those parents in the wanderer stage and maybe even the tail end of the individual stage to be reminding yourself. And I think it's where, you know, part of our journey with him is in those stages is playing the long game of parenting, like reminding Mm -hmm. ourselves in all moments, in all decisions, we're preparing to launch him. And I think as hard as reconciling ourselves to that reality of, you know, everything we know to be true, but it's hard to live in the middle of like, these kids have been entrusted to me. They don't belong to me. I'm always, or I should always be about the work or preparing them to be great humans in the world. You know, the, the upside of releasing an amazing boy who you love out into the world is you think, or I want you to think like this world right now, more than any other time in history, in my opinion, and I've been doing this work for 25 years, is short on great men. Hmm. Our world is short on great men. And what a gift, if you are a parent listening right now, that you get to offer to the world a great man, a man who loves God, a man who loves others, a man who's committed to kingdom work and serving this world a man who feels a sense of purpose, like what a gift that we would get to parent the long journey of releasing that into the world. And so as hard as it is to release, what a gift and what a needed yeah. gift um, more than any other time in history. Yeah, it's such an honor, such an honor and a, and a privilege to to partner with God in that 
journey yes. of, of raising our boys to be to to be courageous men. Um, David, I wish that we could talk for another hour and we probably could on all of these amazing topics, but we need to wrap up. And I just want to say thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate your time and we really appreciate you, all of your insight. Tell us where we can find out more about you, your books, those kinds of things. Well, first off, thank you for the invitation. I love this conversation and, and thank you for the amount of time you've spent connecting folks to wild things. I just am so grateful for that. They could find all of our resources at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. So for those of you listening who also have daughters, I have two amazing colleagues who've written just incredible content about girl development as well. And if you were to jump on RaisingBoysAndGirls.com, you can find all our resources, all the books, all the places we're speaking in different cities. Uh, We've got a podcast. We're currently recording our fourth season of the podcast. We've got a whole podcast devoted to ages and stages where we track through what's going on with kids and what they need. And and we do a lot on social media as well. You could follow our Instagram account where we're putting out a lot of videos um, along the way that we hope are useful content to parents um, as we are all in this journey together of you know, this, this calling on our lives of something we feel so passionate about and, and want to steward well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'll have links to that website in the show notes. And we just really appreciate your time with us today. Thank you. Great to be with you. Hey, Mama. Real quick before you go, I need your help to spread the word about my podcast. I want as many boy moms as possible to benefit from the information in this episode. Can you think of two friends or family members that would benefit from this episode? And could you share a link with them? It would be really helpful and I would be super grateful. Also, I have a special Christmas gift for you. It is my free ebook, The Night the Angels Got Lost. This book is a captivating three-part family Christmas devotional for kids ages 6 to 10. The Night the Angels Got Lost retells a familiar story through the firsthand experience of a young shepherdess. Connect with your kids on a deeper level this Christmas as you join young Abigail on the hills outside of Bethlehem. Enjoy a cup of cocoa and snuggle by the fire using this book to inspire imagination and encourage thoughtful discussion as a family. Capture your children's attention and connect with their hearts as together you celebrate the arrival of the promised child. You can download your free ebook at christmasstory.faith. Thank you so much for joining me today for episode 38 of Redeeming the Chaos. If you would like to read a blog version of this episode or download free resources that will help you raise courageous boys, go to redeemingthechaos.com.